I'm Jeff Gibson. And I'm Shanna Paxton. And we are the, the Movie, Movie Lovers. Lovers. Welcome Hello. to the official podcast of the Gibson Review and the final the week in review for the podcast. Last week we had our final favorites list. This week we have our final week in review episode. So for this episode, like other weekend reviews, we will be t- going through and talking about what movies and TV shows we've been watching over the past uh, few weeks that haven't been already covered. Starting with Shanna's week, my week, and then our week, what we've been watching together. So with that, Shanna, tell us about your week in review. So it's been a crazy few weeks, and I've either been watching things that I've watched in the past, Bluey, or the new show, She-Ra, new to me. There are five seasons, and I spoke briefly about She-Ra a couple episodes ago. To be clear, this is She-Ra and the Princesses of Power. Yes, because She-Ra is not available anywhere. Right. So, no comparison for us, which sucks. And I... Have had a lot of fun with this show. I really enjoy it. It kind of reminds me of My Little Pony Friendship is Magic because of the arcs that the characters are going through. And it's just super interesting to see several leaders, several princesses, learn how to work together. And so they're tackling like communication issues between each other. Mm. And I really enjoy that. And there's also room for the battle between good and evil within yourself. So I've had a lot of fun with it. So how many seasons are you in now? So I'm in season five right now, episode seven, I believe. So how many more episodes do you have? I think I have three. Okay. So with that being the case, uh, first of all, just to clarify, is this cartoon serialized or is it episodic? Uh, it has a continuing story. Through the entire se- uh, yeah, series? Yeah, entire show, yeah. So it, it's kind of hard for people to just pick up uh, randomly. They have to start from the beginning? I, yeah, I wouldn't recommend to pull a Shanna. <laughs> I would recommend start from the beginning. Hmm, okay. Because um, it's really interesting to see everything grow, and you want to make sure that you're there for all the story elements. Are any seasons stronger than others? or? Well, it's kind of blurred together because I've been binging it. Hmm. I did like season one. It was a solid base. And I'm enjoying season five right now. Okay. So it's been pretty consistent. Yeah. It's like, I don't think there's like a bad season. I don't think there's even a bad episode. Hmm. Excellent. Anything else you want to share about She-Ra and the Princesses of Power? I highly recommend it. Go check it out. Okay. And is there anything else in your Week in Review you want to share with us? No, I don't think there's anything else right now. Okay. So that moves us quite quickly on to my week in review and i do have a couple things to talk about first of all is a relatively new documentary on hulu called pretty baby colon brooke shields it is from the director of the miniseries miss americana Mm. this is a two episode documentary series i guess you could say i mean it's it's basically just like a mini series split into two episodes i'm not sure exactly how long they are it's been a couple weeks since i watched it now but basically the idea is 
you know, you got Brooke Shields in her 50s now, and it talks about her adolescence, her period of growing up as an actress prior to that, even a model, and actually even after finding success as an actress, being a model. And basically her journey becoming a woman, discovering her power, uh, who discovers her power after being a sexualized young girl. She shows the dangers and triumphs of gaining agency in a a somewhat hostile industry. And what it's referring to and what the title, title of the documentary refers to is a film that she did very early in her career that was an art house uh, film, as I understand it. I actually had never heard of it until this documentary, really. It was by, it was a Louis Mall film called Pretty Baby, and it was about a preteen girl who lives as a prostitute in New Orleans in 1917. So it tries to depict a particular experience a hundred years ago at this point. This movie though was like from 1978. It also starred Keith Carradine and Susan Sarandon. And even in 1978, it faced some criticism and examination because of, of her character and what it meant having someone at her age being exposed uh, to these things that are being shot and and also the nature of the story and it kind of goes on from there following her career i think that this is a really interesting documentary i think that you know as someone who grew up with an awareness of brooke shields you know, the Blue Lagoon is one of her most well-known pieces. That was from 1980. I love, I love that movie. Okay, I actually recently learned that was a remake of a 1940s movie. I believe it is. Huh. I had no idea, but uh, you know, the awareness of that movie and and her and her marriage to Andre Agassi in the 90s uh, and her crack at being a sitcom star and and all that sort of stuff so i grew up with all of that it was interesting watching this documentary for me having that level of awareness and learning more about each of these things i had some awareness of and like the truth behind each of these things maybe a little more insight and i do think it's very interesting and i do think because there's a lot of talking heads Mm -hmm. in the documentary. I mean, various talking heads, not just people who are friends of Brooke Shields, who've known Brooke for decades, but you have uh, various culture writers, authors, and experts as talking heads, too. And talking about some of the subject matter that is being examined in mm-hmm. the documentary. It's not exclusively about Brooke. It's she it's it's looking at her experience as a as an example of of other things. So you have thoughts, it sounds like? Did you get to see it? I, I see I didn't remember I missed the first part of the first episode. But okay. I watched everything else with you. Oh, okay. Okay, I didn't remember that. Yeah. So what were your thoughts on it then? 
I thought it was an excellent example of how important it is for us to really pay attention to who is keeping young children safe in any industry, uh. but specifically this one. Yeah. Because what ended up, and this isn't really a spoiler, I think it's important to talk about, she was taken advantage of and was photographed nude at, what, age 12? Really young. At, a, at age <clears throat> too young. Yeah. And she tried to sue the photographer, you know, after she was like 22 or 18 or something. Yeah, because the photographer tried publishing. Was going to come up with, come out with a book. Yeah. And they lost the case. And I just thought that this was fascinating. They being Brooke and her defense. Yeah. It was fascinating to see how we are not there for young girls. Mm. We're just not there. Because mm. that is straight up child pornography. Mm. And I think it's interesting. You know, I know you're using language of that particular time. Like, oh, she was a prostitute in that movie. But but really, she was human trafficked. That's what it really is. Well, so, I, I, don't, I don't get from Brooke the language that she uses and even the language she uses having an open discussion with her own daughters that she necessarily would use those words. But she does say, and I think it's, it's interesting, like to depict these things is unacceptable uh, these days. Like it could not happen these days, she says. If it was, it would be done differently mm. of course because mm. you have movies like the tale that talks that shows in a way that still protects the child mm. an incident that happened with her okay uh, several times and so there are ways to tell a story mm. you're a good director you're a good team mm. creative team if you can depict things like that and mm -hmm. sometimes those things are important to sh to have in stories and so I think from that perspective, it's interesting to watch and then have a discussion mm. about where are we? Why aren't we still listening? Why are we still not listening to young girls, young women, women? And so I also thought, you know, I agree with you on all the other things. Like the format was good. The documentary was well put together. I liked hearing her side of the story. I like that we ended with her talking to her children. Mm. Uh, it, was, it was a lovely little table discussion and right i like the respect that her daughters had for her mm. because they wanted to talk about something that didn't feel right yeah and they didn't want to upset her either mm. and that was interesting and she definitely needed a documentary because her life has had so many different milestones mm. like she talks about postpartum depression and how nobody was talking about it mm -hmm. at the time mm -hmm. and you know what talk about it now still talk about it now even though mm. some people are opening up to that i think she even had a book about it if i recall correctly so i'm glad that this was made mm -hmm. and i liked hearing what she had to say mm -hmm. yeah so that is pretty baby colon brook shields available on hulu next i thought you know, I, I that that was an example of me trying to stay current, and I rarely do stay current with what what what's coming out. 
And uh, I, I thought I'd take another crack at something that had dropped recently. And that was a mini series on HBO Max called Love and Death. It is a miniseries by David E. David e. Kelly, who, man, for those who may not, may be too young to know at this point, David E. Kelly was a name that was synonymous with TV in the 90s. He was everywhere for a little while in the 90s. I mean, he was the guy who did L.A. Law, Doogie Howser, M.D., Picket Fences, uh, Chicago Hope, of course, Allie McBeal, The Practice, Boston Public, mm-hmm. Boston Legal. He he was a big name in TV. And mm-hmm. I haven't seen or heard too much from him in more recent years. Mm-hmm. But uh, he did create this miniseries. It's about two church-going couples enjoys, enjoying small-town family life in Texas mm-hmm. until somebody picks up an axe. This uh, takes place in the early 80s. It is based on real events that took place in the early 80s. It stars Elizabeth Olsen, Jesse Plemons, Patrick Patrick Fugit, Kristen Ritter, Tom Pelfrey, and more. I don't think this is for me. <laughs> okay. I I watched this and I was immediately like, after a time, I was like, this is something Shanna would like. <laughs> <laughs> Shanna should watch this. And it, I, Shanna just has not had the time. <laughs> uh, well, I don't know if you do, did. You even know about this? No, I didn't know. Well, there you go. You probably you probably that that's the main thing, because uh, yeah. That and watching She-Ra and Princesses of Power. So, I don't think it's bad. With that pedigree, it it probably it can't be, you know? Mm. But I also can't speak to the whole picture. Mm-hmm. Because, to be clear, there's seven episodes in this miniseries. So, seven hours, more or less. Mm-hmm. And I watched one. So, I can only speak to the, the beginning of it. And... Elizabeth Olsen is, I will say, one of the most reliable and talented dramatic actresses working today. I really enjoy watching the work that she's doing. I will pretty much watch anything once I hear that she's in the cast. Yes. Uh, she, had, she had her big break about 10 years ago, more or less, with Mar- Martha Marcy May Marlene. Shanna, if you haven't seen I that, never watched that one. you should uh, look for that. Mm. It was kind of an indie breakout for her. A lot of critical attention. Like, oh my gosh. And she's she's you know sister of the Olsen twins. And look how talented she is. Holy shit. And she's kind of proven that talent fairly consistently since then. Mm-hmm. I love her. Uh, Jesse Plemons is one. I don't know if he's considered a character actor or if he's actually like legitimately a star. Okay. I can't put my finger on what he's widely considered to be <laughs> because you and I maybe We've loved him from the beginning. <laughs> yeah, we don't really have a very good like perspective maybe on it because we we've loved him and you've seen him in in the Fargo TV show and we've yeah. seen him in Game Night and so many other things. Uh, he's he's 
So I guess very it reliable just, here too. I guess it just depends. Is he a main character? I thought yes. he was main. Okay. He is main character in this. That's yeah. That's why I can't like figure out like okay. Well, well if he's a main. He's character. often the main character in his projects, particularly TV projects, as far as I could tell. Anyway, he's great in it. Yeah, I'm looking at uh, Elizabeth uh, Olsen's career. I mean, geez. Uh, aside from MCU being Wanda Maximoff, you know, mm-hmm. uh, she doesn't do a lot of big budget movies. Uh, that's like her primary one. She did Godzilla also, oh, yeah. which was very good. But I mean, Wind River, for crying out loud. Oh, I, I loved her in that. Uh, she loved that movie. Yeah. Actually, she hasn't been able to do a whole lot outside the MCU because she's been. I bet she's so been busy. Yeah. Anyway, so. I don't know if you're into real like true crime stuff like by all means check this out I think that's who it's for yeah I so for me yes I am <laughs> not really and one and now you know now I know there's an axe involved I'm like okay well I like I said like the premise it's all fun and games until, until somebody someone picks, gets axed yeah. Apparently these are these are things that happened. So anyway, from what little I saw, I passed. But I do think that it's really good work, and some people uh, who have certain proclivities would enjoy this. So that's Love and Death on HBO Max, for better or worse. And lastly, I thought I would check out whenever I got an opportunity to. The Paramount Plus series Star Trek Picard, or as it's often referred to as just Picard. Mm -hmm. Now, my plan going into this was to just watch the first episode to see what the setup was. Yeah. And then immediately jump to the third season. Because really the third season is the reason why I was coming to check it out. Because there, I got the impression that the... Star Trek's Next Generation cast makes appearances in the third season. But I kind of got sucked in to the first season because, I, was, I, you know, it sets it up and, and there's a central mystery and there's this whole, like, oh, well, what's going to happen? Well, <laughs> you know, what's going on? So I, I definitely was intrigued. I've heard mm-hmm. across the board season two is not good and so my plan to skip season two still stands but i have gotten through most of season one Mm. so far and i gotta say so far from what i've seen uh this show's really freaking good like it does require the paramount plus subscription Mm -hmm. do you think it's worth it <sighs> well, okay. so here's That's the thing. Response. Like, you know, I hear about these shows, Star Trek Discovery. I hear about Star Trek Picard, and mm-hmm. you know, I've heard those that spin off to The Good Wife. If you're a fan of The Good Wife, mm-hmm. I, I, I forget. I think I it's mean even that's been ended. around a long time. Yeah, I think that show even ended the spin off. But like, I have so ma- we have so many subscription services that like. I was not want to add another subscription service just because of one or two shows, but you did end up adding Paramount plus for reasons I can't recall at this point. It was full scream. 
And then I was like, well, I'm having fun with the other stuff. Ah, very good. And so while you're having fun with the other stuff, I figure, (laughs) why the fuck not? Yeah. And so, yeah. Now, and, and also, by the way, I'm looking at Metacritic and, like, the consensus critically by season by season is that season two is the worst season and season three is the best season. So I'm kind of looking forward to that, but uh, I I digress. This is a series created by Kristen Bauer, Bayer, Michael Mm -hmm. Chabon and Akiva Goldsman. Do any of those names ring a bell for you? Kristen Bauer sounds familiar. Not Bauer, but Bayer. Bayer. Kristen Bayer. Because I think Kristen Bauer is on True Blood. Oh, okay. Well, that explains that. Yeah. (laughs) (laughs) But Kristen Bayer apparently has mostly made a career for herself doing work in the the more recent Star Trek stuff. Mm. Star Trek Discovery, Star Trek Shark Trek, Star Trek Strange New World, Mm -hmm. Star Trek Picard. But... Michael Chabon, he is known for more things, good or bad. You know, this guy, he, he wrote the novel to that, that Wonder Boys, the movie Wonder Boys was based on. Yeah. He came up with the story for Spider-Man 2. He wrote the script for John Carter, and he created this show. That's mostly what he has done. Akiva Goldsman's got a much bigger and longer career. You know, this is the guy who, like, he's written screenplays for such films as The Client, Batman Forever, A Time to Kill, Mm. Batman and Robin, Lost in Space, Practical Magic, A Beautiful Mind. So good at, like, adapting books. Yeah, he definitely has done that a lot. Uh, I, Robot, that is a mark against him in terms of adapting a book. (laughs) Cinderella Man, Da Vinci Code, I Am Legend. And so oh, Da Vinci Code is a, a knock against him. And The Dark Tower. So this guy, Akiva Goldsman, honestly, the guy's got a very stable career. He even uh, developed the TV show Titans, apparently, and created that show. But, Which like, we still have not been able to watch. He's very hit and miss. Mm, fair. Honestly. Yeah. As a writer. You know, there's like, I could count on one hand how many solid film scripts he's written. But I would count Picard as a hit for him. Okay. And, and just uh, to shout out the cast really quickly, without mentioning people who are spoilers, it includes Michelle Hurd, Allison Pill, uh, Santiago Cabrera, and Issa Briones, and more. There's more. I just don't want to do a deep dive because some people show up in certain seasons and other otherwise. I highly recommend Star Trek Picard is what I'm trying to get at so far based on the first season. I'm really looking forward to seeing the third season since Star Trek Next Generation almost made my list of my favorite TV shows of all time. Mm. So that ends my week in review. And now we move into our week in review. Shanna, there are a couple movies and TV shows we must address that we have seen over the past few weeks. First one, around the time that we watched Tetris, we also saw Air, which was actually the other movie we almost did a main review Mm -hmm. of. Mm -hmm. We did actually end up seeing that. 
That's Ben Affleck's rate latest film he directed. He also co-stars in it. But it primarily focuses on Matt Damon and his character. It follows the history of a shoe salesman and how he led Nike in its pursuit of the greatest athlete in the history of basketball, Michael Jordan. Mm-hmm. It stars, in addition to Matt Damon and Ben Affleck, Jason Bateman, Chris Messina, Viola Davis, Chris Tucker, Matthew Marr. It was nice to see Chris Tucker again. With an appearance by Jay Moore, Marlon Wayans, and more. Yes, it was. I agree. Now, what's interesting about this, not to spoil too much, but there's a lot of historical context in -hmm. terms of the shoe industry Mm -hmm. at this time. We're talking the early 80s, right? Mm -hmm. So... Nike was not the brand that people have known it to be for the past 30 plus years. Yeah. Right? Adidas and, oh, what was the other one, Shanna? Converse. Converse. They had the market for basketball and other sports. Nike was considered a running shoe. That's it. Mm -hmm. Also, Converse, Adidas, when they got celebrity endorsements Mm -hmm. it was all about trying you know setting aside a budget to try and get a certain number of celebrities to pitch basically hey this brand i like this brand Mm -hmm. air shows how innovative what what this salesman decided to do was and i think the process of that Mm -hmm. and the stakes in the situation that is presented mm-hmm. make Air a really damn good movie and one of the best of the year so far. What are your thoughts on Air? I really enjoyed this movie. You know, we've been watching that documentary. What is it called again? The Last Dance. Yeah. And, and we still haven't finished it, we damn it. We still have not finished it. But watching some of that was a little helpful in understanding, you know, there's a bigger story here. It isn't just a cut and dry, like, and now we have Michael Jordan representing us. And now we have Air Jordans. What's you know? funny is as soon as we finished the movie, we came home, watched an episode of The Last Dance, and it happened to be about <laughs> this chapter in Jordan's career. Yeah. I I loved it. Like, this to me, this counts as an entrepreneurial film. Hmm. You know, it's like well. he was there, but it wasn't as big as what it is now. Hmm. And I liked seeing the business end of things. Hmm. That was enjoyable for me. Very hmm. enjoyable. I also like that even though we know Air Jordans are going to somehow come about, mm-hmm. it was still tense to watch this film. Mm-hmm. Like it was still a, I don't, I don't actually know what's going to happen. Kind of similar with like Tetris. It was funny that these two movies had that similarity of like, we know it's going to work out in the end, but how? And I, I loved, you know, pretending I didn't know how it was going to end. And so what I'm saying is this was a really pleasant experience. Mm. I like the film. I like the actors portraying these real people. Mm. I loved Viola Davis. It's a good Mother's Day film uh, for for that part of the story because she believes she believes in her son as much as Matt Damon's character does, mm. which I thought was very interesting. 
Well, that's one of the themes of the film that I thought was most interesting is it, it, I don't know if I can articulate it as well as I could right after watching the movie, but because I've only seen it the one time, but it, it has this idea of like believing in somebody's greatness mm-hmm. so much that you're willing to risk everything to stand behind them, mm-hmm. you know? Mm-hmm. And I think that there's something really special about this, that aspect of the story. Mm-hmm. You know, there's a really great monologue in the second half of the movie that really helps uh, sell this this theme this concept about heroes and people who are truly special and mm-hmm. are destined to truly be one of the great ones you know the um, only criticism i have of the movie as i recall really was it is one of those movies that really hits hard pop culture touchstones of the year of the moment okay you know it's a little it lays it on just a little thick yeah i think that's largely my my main criticism of the film that just prevents it from being absolutely perfect but it is it is really great uh i was looking up the screenplay by the way because i think credit you know credit where credit's due the script was written by Alex Convery. I've never heard that name before. Who the hell is Con- Alex Convery? Well, apparently, this uh, script was written between 2020 and 2021 after Convery watched that very episode of The Last Dance that How we cool watched. that? After seeing this movie by chance. That's awesome. He was inspired to dive deeper into it. Mm-hmm. And apparently, like, the script ended up being, like, on the blacklist in 2021 under the title Air Jordan. For those who are not familiar with what the blacklist is, it is an annual survey of the most liked screenplays that were not produced. That was kind of passed around oh, among the studios. There's a lot of movies. So it's kind of a mining field, actually. Yeah, there's a lot of movies that have been... Uh, produced that were like on the blacklist, uh, including Argo, another uh, Ben Affleck movie, American Hustle, The Keen Speech, Slumdog Millionaire, Spotlight, Hell or High Water. There's there's a lot of movies that was on the blacklist. This was on the blacklist in 2021, and I'm guessing at some point Amazon got involved in and Ben Affleck as well. Mm-hmm. So. This was a first-time script, and I think it's incredible. And I, I, you know, I don't want to jinx it. You know, it could be a fluke. Who mm-hmm. knows? But I do want to see what else this Alex Convery is is, is capable of. Yeah. Um, ben Affleck has, has a very reliable track record as a director. I more or less have at least one issue with just about all of his movies, but they're all really solid films. And uh, air is is no different. So, uh, any other thoughts you have on air? No, um, I don't think so. So, what would you give air out of ten? By the way, I would I would give it an eight. Yeah, definitely, yeah. definitely an eight as well. We highly recommend it. Next, 
I've been showing Shanna a TV series that I am a fan of, and I ended up buying the entire series on the DVDs. It's called Quantum Leap. It's from mm-hmm. 1989. Uh, starred pretty much only Scott Bakula and Dean Stockwell as the recurring characters. It's about a scientist, uh, actually a multi-talented scientist, who he came up with the uh, this idea of time travel, and he left into this this experiment knowing that they're going to pull the plug on the funding and everything. And he wanted to prove that it worked. And what it does is it allows him to leap into other people that existed during his lifetime. Super interesting. The idea being that he would eventually leap back to his contemporary self, but he keeps being left from person to person year to year they hope that he'd be moving forward in time but he appears to be kind of scattershot Mm -hmm. through time within his lifetime Mm -hmm. and it turns out in order to be able to move on to the next person he has to right a wrong in that person's life yeah and sometimes it's not necessarily that person sometimes it's someone that's near that person correct so that's super interesting too so I grew up with this show. I was a fan of this show. I, there's certain things I remember about this show, and we're starting to get into those things as we're in season two. Shanna, why don't you share your thoughts of Quantum Leap since <laughs> this was new to you? Yeah, this was new to me. I think my mom was a fan, and so we had talked about it once before. I like the show. I like that we're going to different periods of history that definitely needed someone to step in well what about i'd love to see an episode of the person's perspective who he just helped oh yeah 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 um especially one of those early episodes where it was i guess it was during must have been before the civil rights movement Uh in the south where he um was an older black gentleman Uh and who was sitting at a whites only restaurant once he left in yeah i'm gonna find that date right now actually thank you because i don't know if i'm getting my time period 1955 okay is what is uh the year he leapt into well i just thought that that was such an interesting episode not only are we like we need to treat people like people Uh because apparently people never learn that lesson but I was like, I want to know what happened to that character specifically after he jumped out. Right. <laughs> after he quantum leaped out. Yeah. I'm like, I'm very concerned for that man. <laughs> well, it should be noted that what happens to the person that he leaps into is they get swapped into his contemporary body. Right. Oh, and yeah. his con- their consciousness leaps into his contemporary body and then they leap back into their selves once he's accomplished what he needs to. Mm-hmm. So, you know, the show doesn't at all del- dive into it, but you can imagine there's a certain degree of confusion once they come back, right? Yeah, I would be a little wrecked, I think. <laughs> <sighs> so anyway, uh, t- uh, continue, please. Yeah, I think it's a, a great show to at least have two episodes pointing out 
humanity's intolerances of others mm. to try and correct that. I wonder if they'll keep going because how many seasons are there? Five. Oh, there's plenty of opportunities to show intolerances. Uh, <laughs> <laughs> well, yeah, and I think season one is different because it might have been a mid-season replacement series uh, when it first debuted. Yeah, because I believe like every season from two through five has like 20-something episodes. Right. Yeah. Well, and I love how he's trying so hard to make things right in whoever's body he's in. Yeah. And sometimes it's like he's in a mafia episode and he's trying to get that all taken care of. Right. But in the end, it's like he just had to make sure that the matriarch of the family won a bingo game. <laughs> and so it was it was quite amusing. <laughs> you yeah. know, maybe he was supposed to do all the things, but but that was pretty funny. Yeah. Yeah, there's 97 episodes. What was also really funny is sometimes, like, Sam, you just got to play the role, man. Yeah. Play the adapt, role. Adapt, dude. Like, adapt. You're supposed to <laughs> pretend to be the person, so play the role. Go along with the flow. But he's such a golden boy. He's always trying to do the right thing, and he feels awkward having relations with people he doesn't know right away. Yeah. You know, that he's he's always coming up You're with gonna excuses. You're going to make it worse if you don't. Right? <laughs> you know? Yeah. So is that sometimes that's really amusing. But Yeah. Yeah, uh, is it a show that you're enjoying and you want to continue watching from time to time? I'm enjoying it, but I also want to check out the reboot. Oh, remake, God. Oh. Just because of the talent. In, what? Well, okay, I know one person's in the show that you like. but is So what, I can just... like one person? Yeah. There might be other people, too. I don't know. So what Shannon's referring to is it is it's like a sequel series apparently oh a sequel that's yeah. cool starring ernie hudson in the sort of dean stockwell Ooh. owl role i go watch it now um i don't know the star of it but it's basically like Something like they're trying to figure out what went wrong with Sam Beckett's experiment. And so they're like, I know we'll do it ourselves. <laughs> and and it, yeah. And I guess it's edgier we'll hope for different results. Yeah. I think it's edgier from what I understand. I think it's a little more serious from what I understand. I don't think it has the same tone as the original from what I understand. It's more serious. Okay. I think so. I haven't watched it, but that's what I've gotten from it. Maybe you can report to me. You check it out. And, sure. Uh, but I haven't been too keen. It's a, you know, it's an example of how can we bring back this brand that we have the rights to, kind of thing. And most Ooh, of the time, rights. <laughs> yeah, most of the time, these remakes uh. or reboots or sequel series, uh, you know, they're they're not beloved you know case in point melrose place 90210 the current night court i don't think is getting i don't think it's getting a lot of love from viewers even though it just got greenlit for a second season mm. i think that's wishful thinking more on nbc's part but we weren't big fans of that night court either so no and i i you know you see an actor that you like and yeah. you're like i i want to like this show for right, you right yeah for you maybe that'll be your experience with this quantum leap it might be as is though the original quantum leap 1989 to 93 we've been watching that i think it's available somewhere online so 
Now we have just a couple more things. Guardians of the Galaxy Volume 3, a non-spoiler review of the latest MCU movie, James Gunn's last film before he dives headlong into the DC universe and tries to write that wrong, like Sam Beckett. So this <laughs> that is the funny. I like that. I like you. Thank you. The final entry in this cast of characters, uh, this corner of the MCU. Shanna, uh -oh. share your thoughts on Guardians of the Galaxy. Oh, you want me to start? Is that a good idea? Always. I don't think it is. Well, I did not like this movie. Mm. I did not like it. I did not like it in the theater. I will not like it a second time in the theater. I will not like it at home. Mm. I will not like it on Blu-ray special, super awesome features. Is that will not like by it. chance because you didn't think the writing was good? Is it because you thought the special listen, effects was listen bad? Listen to me very carefully. I go to Guardians of the Galaxy for escape and like a, a, a teeny bit of emotion. Case in point, the first one and the second one. Mm. teeny bit of emotion mm. like crying me crying uh -huh. just a little bit uh -huh. but mostly a fun time yes this was not a fun time mm. this was like a horror show this was not at all what i was expecting mm. had i known that this was going to be the case i would not watch this in my birthday week because i don't want to spend what was it two hours crying two and a half uh, excellent two and a half <laughs> hours crying my eyes out mm. and like thinking i i want to go home and be with my dog yeah. You know, like if I take a step. Okay. So personally, I hated the film. I'm like, this is not what I was expecting for Guardians. I hate it here. Okay. Mm. If I take a step back, I'm like, this is a great piece mm. that can help Peter. It's <laughs> a great look at, hey, if you thought animals being tested on was an okay thing to do, well, go ahead and watch this. Mm. Uh, it's not okay. Mm. So in case you were unsure of where to land on that opinion, what? you know, go ahead and watch this. <laughs> I don't think anybody's like, like actively on the fence about it, but it does. Uh, it is a bit of a wake-up call for yeah. those who haven't been participating or acknowledging mm. that, hey, this is still a thing. So there's that. Mm. Uh huh. But I hated this movie. How about you? You had a good time, I'm sure. Well, it, it's never a good time when you're you're curled up in a in a ball crying, saying you want to go home. See, here's the thing: I couldn't even curl up into a ball because it's not that kind of movie theater. Yeah. So I couldn't I couldn't even be physically comfortable when crying. So that wasn't a good time, but. There's definitely a lot of stuff in this film that the marketing does a really good job of not spoiling. And I, I do want to be careful of that. I want to avoid getting into some details. Mm -hmm. I definitely recognize there's there's some sensitivities that are, are may not be... It's not a four-quadrant movie. In a way, I actually appreciate it because it's not a four-quadrant film. It's probably the most James Gunn movie that James Gunn has done in the better part of a decade, if not more. You know, James Gunn, if you watch his earlier films like Slither, to an extent, I guess, Super, but other things he's done before he dove into the MCU in 2014, by the way. 
you know, he he has an edge to him. He has there. He has a, a melding of the grotesque and the violent, and uh, while also having an eye for character and emotions. And I think that this this film has a full spectrum of feelings. There there is the grotesque. There's the disturbing. You know, I guess for some people the traumatizing. But there's also like some laughs and some moving bits in it. So I think that the horror and the grotesque is balanced by the really great uh, heart and, and moving scenes and performances, especially in the third act. This, I definitely don't think I could call this film predictable. I do think it's worth rewatching the other two Guardians films to measure how great the Living Tribunal is as a villain compared to the other villains in the Guardians movies. I'm on the fence about that. Yeah, I thought it was a pretty good villain. Mm-hmm, okay. I mean, he was horrifying no matter what he did, even though he looked somewhat ridiculous, you know? Yeah, he definitely does not look like his comic book counterpart. Mm. And to be clear, we are talking about Chakwadi Awuji. Worked I thought that. his performance was great, too. Yeah, so. this is not an actor I'm that familiar with. I feel like I've seen him before I have seen him because he's in John Wick Chapter 2, which is mm. another movie I haven't seen in a while. He's also in Peacemaker. That's right. That's another thing about this movie is like James Gunn. It's like, his favorite. Integrated like a lot of his favorite people in this movie. Uh, peppered <laughs> it th- throughout with these people. He's he's done a lot of like one-offs and mm-hmm. uh, kind of TV show sort of stuff. But yeah, Peacemaker is what I know him from. Plus John Wick Chapter 2. But yeah, there's a lot of great things. I think the regular cast is fantastic in it. I think it, it's interesting listening to uh, James Gunn talk about this story, how he wanted to tell this story that was Rocket's story or was, was something that had not been told, and he thought it was really important to tell Rocket's story, mm-hmm. how and all, how Rocket is the heart of the story, and. You know, it's interesting. You know, Rocket's not in the film a lot, but he has a presence throughout the film, if that makes sense. Yeah, and I guess if you look at what he's been like in the previous two movies, even when people are calling him names and being assholes to him, he's Mm -hmm. still trying to, like, keep... He's still trying to be there for the team. Mm. I'm on the fence about whether or not Adam Warlock really paid off. that. Yeah, whether or not Adam Warlock really paid off uh, after the tease from, I think, Guardians of the Galaxy Volume 2 in that uh, credit sequence. So, and, and, and Maria Bakalova as Cosmo is really great. But, yeah. Cosmo was my favorite part, except when something happened to Cosmo with words. And with then words. I was angry. So, I give Guardians of the Galaxy Volume 3 a 7 out of 10. I think it's uh, pretty satisfying, and I'm very interested in seeing what happens with 
certain members of this cast from here on. Jenna, obviously, you gave it a very low, much lower rating. You know, like when you're thinking about like, oh, what are you doing to speak to society about animal cruelty? I, I can have a nine. But personally, non-objectively, uh, it's a two. So excellent so that gives it like a four and a half average wonderful all right so that's guardians of the galaxy volume three and lastly the marvelous mrs Maisel season five it's been dropping episodes weekly it's not done yet i think there's one or two more episodes left but shanna this is very clearly a final season of The Marvelous Mrs. Maisel. This is a show that was on my favorite TV shows of all time list. How satisfied are you so far with season five? I'm honestly concerned. Mm. Uh, you know, because their format has changed. They're not just going forward in time together in a linear way. They're actually bouncing around a lot. That's true. And... I'm a little concerned. I'm a little concerned because they've set up some things, uh -huh. things that you forgot. And I'm not sure if it's going to all work out. I uh, don't know. Uh. Well, we have two more episodes to find out if I'm not mistaken. Hmm. But I am enthralled. I absolutely love this season. It's very clearly trying to... Show us what happens with these characters. And so there's mm. no unanswered questions. Mm -hmm. And uh, hopefully, maybe, maybe so hopefully. Amy, maybe so Amy Sherman Palladino's never peppered with, will there ever be a revival <laughs> as she was with Gilmore <laughs> Girls until she eventually had to do a season of Gilmore Girls. But I, I feel like we're heading towards closure with this character mm. and I'm realizing, if it wasn't clear to me before, which I think it was, for all of Midge Maisel's faults, I absolutely love her. Mm -hmm. I love Rachel Brosnahan. I hope she does more work and better movies than that one film that we saw, that crime film we saw with her. <sighs> I oh, yeah. I absolutely love Susie. She's my favorite. I love Alex Born. Borstein. I will probably, I mean, I hope she gets a lot of other on-screen work because she mm -hmm. is extraordinary. She's so fucking fantastic. I adore. And I love where her character's going. Yes, absolutely. I adore Tony Shalhoub's Abe Weissman. This, this guy, this guy, sometimes he can be a bit <laughs> much, but sometimes he's the kind of guy I want to hang out with. Yeah. yeah he's, he's fantastic. I love it. There's a lot in this season, and I can't wait to see where it all goes. So, you know, this show has an 8.7 on IMDb, and that is just uh, 0.3 away from a 9, and I I highly agree mm -hmm. with that. I, I You know, I think this show is excellent from start to finish, and uh, everybody fires on all cylinders here. Do you have anything else you want to add about season five of Marvelous Mrs. Maisel? No, I'm just hoping they stick the landing. Yeah. If you haven't seen it, you need to catch up. It is on Amazon Prime. And yes, there are two episodes left 
at the time of recording. And that is our week in review. Shanna, to recap really quickly in our final week in review episode, She-Ra and the Princesses of Power was in your week in review. So I'd say it's a 9 out of 10. You highly recommend it. Pretty Baby, Brooke Shields, I recommend that documentary. Me I think too. you do as well, strongly. Love and Death, I recommend that miniseries for some people. I wasn't a huge fan. Picard, excellent series. If you're a Star Trek fan, you need to figure out how to see this. Air, we highly recommend. I don't think there's a single goddamn thing we talked about that we didn't recommend, really. Quantum Leap we recommend if you can find it. Guardians of the Galaxy Volume 3. Objectively, you acknowledge it's a pretty darn good movie, but you're never going to watch that movie again. Personally hated it. I think it's a really good film. Marvelous Mrs. Maisel. Cream of the crop. Yeah? Yep. All right. What do you think about any of these TV shows and movies that we've been talking about? Feel free to email us at... The Gibson Review at gmail.com. All right, Shanna. That does it for this episode. The penultimate episode of The Movie Lovers. Mm -hmm. Before we talk about the next episode, why don't you share with people where they can find you online? You can find me on Instagram at Shanna Paxton Photography or Flick Chart Spellbinding A. Go to thegibsonreview.com. That is your primary source from now until forever for all the things I am doing related to film, including my series of favorites lists. Started with 20 of the 20s, then 30 favorites of the 30s, and soon 40 favorites of the 40s. There's a whole lot else there to mine. Dive on in. Let me know what you think what's valuable, what was interesting, what makes you want to throw your computer at the wall. I'm interested in it all. Follow us all on social media, facebook.com slash the Gibson Review. Instagram, the Gibson 99. I do bracket polls there, and I'm doing right now a series of bracket polls on your favorite TV shows throughout history. We did, since the last episode, we finished up your favorite 70s TV show. And I don't know if I mentioned, uh, if it was all wrapped up by the time we did our last episode or not, but your favorite 70s TV show was The Muppet Show. Your favorite 80s TV show was Cheers. Now we're working on a favorite 90s TV show. That poll is not over yet. Go to the Gibson 99 on Instagram. Participate in the last couple rounds of that poll. Weigh in. What is your favorite 90s TV show? Soon, we'll be looking at the 2000s. All right. The next episode of The Movie Lovers is the final episode of The Movie Lovers. And you know what? You all are no help. I tried asking people on Instagram, what would you like to see in this final episode us do? 
and I got crickets, which says a lot. I don't think we'll be missed too much, but I'm sure we'll be talking about this uh, this uh, series, our experiences. Shannon, is there anything that you'd like to do for our final episode that comes to mind immediately? What if we reviewed, uh, like if we looked at our top favorite movies, uh huh, and the top ranked similar film? Don't we have one or two in common? Maybe. I we've think had, it would be cool oh, if we reviewed one. We've had a lot of movies in common in all the various lists that we have done. We'll have to talk about it. I don't know if you've put uh, much thought into this or other ideas for the final episode, but we'll have to have a discussion for sure. Finalize that because people will be expecting that episode on Tuesday I think it is May 23rd. Okay. That'll be when the final episode of the movie Lovers drops. Until then, keep loving the movies. This is Jeff and Shanna saying bye-bye.